Good afternoon and welcome to Strategies for Managing a Post-COVID Hybrid Workforce, a health system CIO Media Inc. production sponsored by Improvada. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Health System CIO and I will be your moderator today. We're looking forward to your participation. You can send in your questions or comments at any time in the Q&A box, and we'll have a one-question poll we do later in the program. Nice way to view the screen. Click on the top center, get it in side-by-side mode. Then you can adjust the, adjust the divider to get the video boxes and the slides the size you want them, and it should say speaker view in the top right-hand corner. Just so you see how we're going to spend our time today, first we're going to have our main panel discussion featuring Kara Babachikos, SVP and CIO at South Shore Health. David Chow, SVP and CIO at Harris Health System. And Gus Malazis, President and CEO with Improvada. And then we'll have our Q&A. So let's jump right in. I think this is a really obviously timely, important topic. Lots of different perspectives on this. Maybe no one right answer, but we'll see where we can what we can achieve today. Uh, Kara, can you start us off and tell us a little bit about your organization and your role? Sure. Um, hello, everyone. So I am um, Senior Vice President and CIO at South Shore Health. We're a regional community health system um, about 15 miles south of Boston. I've been here um, five years. And in my role, I'm responsible for all of the traditional IT components, including cybersecurity. Um, I also oversee biomedical and the enterprise PMO. Um, and I'm happy to be here today. Very good, David. Thanks, Anthony. David Chow from Harris Health System. I am the SVP CIO. Um, we are located in Houston, Texas, primary a acad- academic medical center uh, with two schools of medicine. Or let me clarify, a public academic medical center with two schools of medicine that we work with, uh, two hospitals, 45 plus different sites throughout the region. Um, similar to CARA, I have all the technology except cybersecurity and really focus on leading some of the digital initiatives for the organization. Very good. All right, Gus. Hey, Anthony, pleased to be, be here. I'm uh, Gus Melissa, CEO at Improvada, and uh, we're the uh, digital identity company servicing the healthcare industry. And uh, you probably know us as the tap and go. Uh, it's a small part of what we do, but uh, uh, we're delighted to be here. All right, very good. Let's get right into it. David, let's start with you. What's the current state of your workforce in terms of where people are working and how do you see things evolving over the next year or two? Does it vary by role, seniority? You know, we've heard a lot of different ways people are talking about approaching this. I've even heard of different different tiers of employees or different tiers of in-person and this tier is going to be in a little bit and out a little bit and this tier is going to be this and that it can get very complicated it sounds to me where are you with all this what's your thinking yeah so i would say i'm fortunate where i walked into an organization where it has embraced working virtually so even prior to the pandemic um, they had the team working remotely um, technology was not set up for the enterprise to be remote, but I think from an IT perspective, the department are accustomed to uh, working remotely. Now, it's a very different skill set in terms of managing remote teams if you have not done it before. So I would say we are evolving, even for me personally, uh, I'm constantly growing, evolving. 
But moving forward, what we want to put together as an organization, not just within IT, is the philosophy that if you could do your job remotely without being in person at the office, please, con please continue to do so. Uh, what I'm encouraging my team to do is rather than always come back to um, our corporate office, I really want them at the site. I want them closer to the hospital, to the clinics. So it's really about a lot more operational engagement than to be centrally located in one place within the, the department. So that is my approach. Um, I would say I have also evolved in terms of how I communicate. It's really about having a lot more one-to-many discussions. So um, I have pretty much town halls every two weeks. I have leadership meetings on a weekly basis. I have a, what I call open office hour on a weekly basis where anyone can log into our virtual conference um, room and talk about anything. Um, doesn't even have to be work-related. So really trying to figure out how can we drive more engagement, especially for new employees. I think established employees, long-tenure employees have an easier time where they have a good understanding of how to navigate the organization. But if you think about the new employees that join, they probably would not know how to uh, navigate, nor do they even understand who the key players are. So there is a big divide. And when you brought up the fact that um, what you just mentioned earlier, Anthony, about who gets to work remotely, does it vary by role? Um, that's a very hard thing to pull off. I think you need to have one rule and stick with it for the entire organization. And most importantly, that one rule has to be applicable. Let me give you just one example. If we are embracing a virtual workforce, it will never work if everyone comes into the office that's in management or leadership, right? Because then you're saying the wrong example of all, every, you know, you're not saying the right expectation. So it's a very difficult thing that we're trying to wrestle. I would say every organization is sort of um, trying to figure out what is the right approach. Um, and we're learning constantly as we speak. But right now we're uh, embracing the philosophy that if you could work anywhere, um, please can continue to do so without having to physically come to an office. Uh, just real quick, you mentioned about management. Um, were you saying that you don't think it's the right message if all of management comes in and then everyone else can work remote? Like That's not what we want to happen? Yes, because now you're saying the tone of we're doing something different in management. You want to be very consistent in terms of setting that example. So uh, you also don't want to set uh, uh, a precedence where people who are coming in and have closer communication with management, right? You can't, that can also happen too, where um, people may have that, what I call the FOMO effect, fear of missing out, because now you have this group that always comes in um, in leadership and you have group that may be, not be coming as much because they're embracing this virtual workforce. It just doesn't mesh well. So even at our leadership level, uh, we're operating in the hybrid mode. I may go in the office three times a week while working with only two times, just be able to uh, still be very consistent in our message. So do you if we're, I would say for any organization that's out there that's trying to set a virtual workforce in a hybrid mode or some sort, it doesn't work if all leadership comes into the office every single day, you, the, the example just doesn't match with the philosophy. Okay, very good. And lots, lots to follow up on there. But Carol, what are your thoughts? Okay, so um, lots of different pieces here to talk about. So I would say on the IT side, about 85 to 90% of the IT workforce uh, work remotely. Um, there are certain roles that it's just a lot harder to get that to happen. Um, and in, in some days they might work remotely, but there's always some on-site presence for um, certain, certain roles. 
um, mostly uh, desktop support and things that require uh, more physical touch and deployment. Um, but we're trying to be flexible in that way as well. Um, over the last year, our organization has evolved quite a bit. Um, IT always had um, the convenience of working from home. We all have laptops and we, we did it, but I would say that it wasn't um, 100% of the time. It was maybe casual once a week type of thing where people would do that. And it was a little bit under the radar. When, once COVID hit, um, IT and a lot of the um, shared services, meaning oh, um, HIM, billing, finance, um, HR, they all started to, you know, out of necessity, they work from home. Um, and we even had a virtual go live of our Workday ERP system from a virtual command center role. So it was it was pretty interesting all during COVID. Um, we have established a, a remote work policy um, and that does describe certain roles. And um, we have 100% remote, we have hybrid, and we have what's called a casual uh, remote worker, which means that at most you might work remotely um, up to four days a month, like once a week. Um, I would say that, uh, and I can talk a little bit more about how we went through and decided how that would translate to workspace and, and what the um, what roles were eligible for that. We actually did go through job codes and certain roles across the organization that might be eligible for various types of work. Um, and we do let the final um, manager or senior vice president or vice president, whatever, kind of decide how they want to manage it across their organization. Um, at the most senior level, I'm expected to be in um, and expected to be seen um, on most days. I do work casually once in a while. Today, I'm actually offsite at the um, IT office space, which I will talk about. We did do a lot of um, transformation here as well. Um, but yeah, so by seniority, um, my team, my direct reports, I, I didn't actually say that they all needed to come in every day, but their preference was to come in. So I wasn't going to say you can't have your office and you can't come in. Um, we also found that what um, when we divided up this workspace and um, took our building that could accommodate up to 250 people, we kept getting asked by the organization, well, can others come in and co-locate in your space? We're having some challenges with you know, space at the site, at the hospital, especially in, in trying to get more clinical care there. Can they come sit here? And rather than take many bites out of the elephant, I worked with uh, leaders and my teams and set some focus groups up. And we kind of created a, a model for how we um, allocate the space going forward, which I'll talk about maybe further on in this discussion. Yeah, very good. Lots lots of stuff there. Gus, you've got, uh, you know, probably a different perspective, certainly than our CIOs on the panel here as the CEO of a, a large organization. Um you know, just what are your thoughts? How do you come at this? It's new ground. Um, and I, I think what we see is that we really closely mirror what our customers do uh, in many respects. So when, uh, you know, when this pandemic hit us and we uh, understood that it was a real, you know, a real condition and we had to keep our people safe uh, in parallel, we wanted to understand how do we do that? Uh, in working from home, uh, but we also realized we were a work from office culture uh, for the most part. Um, you know, not only that, we were a visit the customer culture. You know, kind of get in front of people um, as most of our customers prefer for you know most of their interactions with us. Um, but as we started to go down this path, you know, roughly so a year ago, safety was the paramount uh, objective for us. Safety for our people 
So we really sent everybody home initially. Uh, as we're now looking at, you know, wrestling this pandemic to the ground, uh, we're starting to feel that we have some more options, um, which is this hybrid environment. And the hybrid environment that, uh, frankly, um, uh, that we see going forward is a little bit different than what we've been doing over the past year. Past year, everybody worked from home. I mean, the office was shut, period. Uh, nobody was allowed to go in, even though there were people that wanted to go in. So we had to actually disable badges mm -hmm. because we couldn't guarantee, uh, you know, uh, the, the the cleanliness of the facility. We couldn't guarantee that if someone was there, there is a crew to clean up and and uh, and make sure that everything is uh, properly sanitized. So we really uh, made a decision and it was a, a really strong binary decision that we're all working from home. As we're now looking into the future, we just did a survey um, to understand how our folks, our teams want to work. And what we find, and this is really very fresh, this is literally two week, two week old data. We see that 38% of our population, over 600 some people want to work remote full time, right? And then, you know, that's, that's a number that probably wasn't that far off from what we expected because we have a lot of field teams, we have a lot of, a lot of teams that are just you know, distributed throughout. We also found that as Kara and David talked about, there's some other stratas uh, of in office, those that are in close proximity to um, Lexington or actually Waltham because we're in fact, uh, during the same time, we're actually moving to Waltham. And uh, we found that another third uh, wants to have, you know, what I'll call in a, you know, an intermediate hybrid work three days in the office and really have Mondays and probably Fridays, maybe work from home. Um, you know, so we call this hybrid one. Then there's kind of so that's 28% of the people want to do that. Uh, and then we have, a, you know, a mostly work from home or we call hybrid two, where people may come in the office one day a week. Um, and for us, you know, we actually do need some of that. Sometimes we got to ship equipment to customers. Sometimes we got to fix stuff um, that can only be facilitated in the office. Um, so, you know, that population that is going to have is another third. So you got about 40 percent. You've got a third and a third. Um, and then you've got a very small portion that says I can only work in the office because I don't have facilities in my home or, you know, something of the sort. Uh, so, so that's what it looks like now. Guaranteed, these numbers will change um, as we go deeper in this year, and um, and they'll change as, as well next year as we start to have you know more comfort, um, you know, higher level of safety. Um, and and to give you an idea, uh, you know, in the new facility, we're asking for things like um, you know medical grade uh, air filters not just HEPA filters, but things that really clean the air thoroughly so that, uh, you know, you don't have, uh, you know, you have an elevated level of, uh, of sanitation uh, of the air. So uh, ask me again in three months and I'll probably give you a different story, but right now it's about a third, a third and a third, a third working remotely, another third being mostly in the office with a little bit of work from home uh, and another third working mostly from home with some office presence. What made all of this possible for us though is uh, technology. Um, you know, technology and a fairly seasoned management team that communicates very regularly, much more so than I think we did before. 
in order to make sure we get the right areas to focus on, that we're focusing on our customers and their needs, and that we are all aligned with those things. Because you know, you're out of the office, you know, how do you get that message by osmosis? Um, well, it's Zoom or Teams. Yeah, what I, what I think is interesting, so we can take surveys. Uh, we can take surveys and we can see what people want. That doesn't necessarily mean that what, what people want is what's going to work best for the organization. And I think that's where things get interesting. That's where it gets interesting when someone says, I want to work from home full time. But as far as you've determined from an organizational point of view, that doesn't really work for that role. It's sort of where the conflict happens, where the issues happen. Um, are we there yet, David? Are, are we there in terms of employee conversations of, hey, you're going to be coming back at this frequency as because of what have we've determined is appropriate for your role, and we're having pushback that says, that's not really going to work for me. I, I know we're going to have that. Are we there yet? I think we are informally there, right? I think the employees are saying they want the flexibility. It's not about working at home. They want to just be able to work anywhere and be productive. And we want to be able to trust our employees to do that. Unfortunately, you will always have a group that is working remotely, but non-productive. And those usually ruin it for everyone else. Uh, so we are not there from a where we're communicate this out to all the employees formally to say, here's your working hours. We have employees assigned to whether they are full-time and in-person hybrid or um, um, full-time remote. So from, from that perspective, we did have the employees classify themselves, but as an organization, we're trying to figure out what is that unified message going to be? Because it's really hard to pinpoint. I mean, there there's, in my opinion, you could be remote, but you don't want to be out of touch. So does that mean you never come to the office? Does that mean you never go see what the hospital operation is working on? Shouldn't be the case. You should be able to work remote while taking advantage of the flexibility, but also keeping engaged with what's going on in our hospital and operations. But that's a, that's a big, and that really depends on individuals as well. Not everyone may have the um, sort of the self-motivation to, to come into the office if they're hundred percent remote, right? We have, so we have to figure out how to make those requirements. We have to figure out how to get the teams motivated to really change their behaviors. Um, so that's something I'm always thinking through in terms of how can I motivate? How can I get the teams to think uh, a little bit differently in terms of how historically they have worked? Uh, because the reality is just because they're in the office doesn't mean they're doing work either. Uh, if you look at, you know, a lot of different organizations I've been at, if I just run the the Wi-Fi traffic or the network traffic, your number one usage of internet bandwidth can be Netflix, YouTube, and some of those products. So, um, you know, physically being out of locations isn't necessarily equal productivity, but we have to figure out what that balance is. And that's something I'm always trying to figure out what is the right approach. And it's really case by case. It's almost down to the individual level, in my opinion. Kara, in IT, uh, I'm not in IT per se, but I think I understand the mind of IT folks, it's for organization, clarity, uh, and and we want everything clear in a spreadsheet. Okay, these are the roles. If this is your role, this is how often you come in. These are the days you come in. This is where you go. When you're not in, this is what's expected. I mean, we like things, and then we put everyone in their bucket, and now we're good. We feel good. Uh -huh. This sounds like it's really, really far from that. 
at the moment. And, and that would probably create some discomfort for those trying to get their arms around this, like yourself and, and, and yeah. a lot of other people on the call. Yeah. I mean, I think of, I think until maybe a month ago, there was a lot of um, there were a lot of questions and people wanted answers around. Well, what was the future going to look like for remote work for our teams? And it wasn't until I kind of put a line in the sand and helped drive that decision making a little bit based on the um, need for space. So I kind of used that as the impetus, I guess, to finally finally make some decisions and to help kind of get approval to move forward in the organization. And what I found a couple of things that were really interesting. First of all, I first, I held a couple of focus groups. So I like um, David have like monthly or weekly check-ins. It depends on, but I have an ISL meeting and I also have like a coffee with Kara and different types of discussions where people can bring up questions. Mm -hmm. And this kept coming up. Um, and so I asked people if they wanted to participate in kind of a focus group or a, more of a subcommittee to kind of look at what remote work would look like based on their preference. So we did a survey to them as well, and we asked some questions, but I put some teaser questions in there around if you were going to work from home more than three days a week, would you be willing to give up your space? Um, and so that was purposeful because I, you know, you have to have some um, trade-offs here, right? So we can't be in a building that can accommodate 250 people with 10 cars in the parking lot, right? It's just wasteful in a lot of ways. Um, and we kind of need to be able to make that decision. So what I learned a lot through talking with the teams and a, a few of the meetings we had is they adapted quite a bit to working from home. Most people um, learned how to kind of adjust their lifestyle and found the benefits of having um, different time and how they kind of found their time to work out or do things that were maybe even more healthy than they had in their past. Um, but we had to kind of go through a trade-off. When I finally rolled out the plan, which was anyone who was hybrid was going to have to either use the scheduler to schedule their space or we're going to have some drop-down space. Um, at first, you found some people that were uncomfortable and you push people in one direction or the other. Like it was, you can't have both. So mm -hmm. I started to have to, you know, put the line in the sand with, if you're going to be here four days a week, you can have your dedicated office or your dedicated cube. And if you're not, you're going to have to take your stuff home and we'll have to work from there. And it was interesting, but I think we, through that forcing function, we got people into the right categories um, we're still managing it to kind of see how it all works out. But we also laid out our building talking about, you know, being very much in the box. Right. And we came up with how there was going to be dedicated space to the back of each floor. And there, that was for a reason. That was usually the cubes that people liked the best because there was most sunlight. And um, in the middle, we were going to have what we called the bullpen, which was like a drop down location where people could kind of come in with unreserved um, cubes and then we had cubes that were gonna be more outfitted with um, double monitors and a full workstation um, and some of those other things that would be some of the same comforts they would have at home that they could reserve if they wanted that full home experience. And then lastly, we also did the same with um, the various offices so that we could make it a little more functional. And so we're kind of watching to see how this all kind of unfolds, um, but so far it seems to be working in our favor. Um, and, you know, another one that you all probably had to deal with is what the equipment would look like at home versus on campus. And if they could have all the same equipment and 
And then I think the other one that is really important is how do you manage productivity? And so I think, you know, each leader, each manager is expected to manage productivity and it's different, right? So if I have a PMO and I know if they're managing the projects and what the milestones are and other projects kind of, you know, working the way they should and on, on time and all those components. But when you have um, different roles, you have to kind of think about it. And across the organization, I found that other leaders outside of IT had a bigger challenge with managing the productivity. Just a, a really funny story is we had a lot of um, billers and other people who are working from home um, and they were home probably about eight months in and there was a new um, initiative to kind of manage their productivity, productivity differently. And as a result, all of a sudden they started saying, oh, my internet's really slow or I don't have a great computer or this isn't working. And I'm like, huh, eight months, it took eight months, but until someone kind of started watching and asking and holding people accountable, then you started hearing about the um, challenges they had that we had to overcome. So it, it is um, a different world out there. Um, the other thing that is also a challenge um, as we think about the remote worker strategy is 100% remote, remote isn't really a viable option for us um, in that if you're a leader, I expect that you're going to be here once in a while for some in-person meetings um, you have take on call, like most um, most of the IT group takes on call. So they're expected to come in if something happened. Um, and in addition to that, we do not have an out-of-state um, policy, right? So during the state of emergency, we were able to let workers work in any state. But if you're following the letter of the law, you are not um, doing business in one of these other states, even our budding states then theoretically, you can't have 100% remote workers in those states. So really interesting challenge, but um, it's one that I keep bringing up with our um, HR department and others because we've got to think about this, right? Legal and compliance and others have been involved in these discussions, but it's it, a lot of companies aren't necessarily aware of that or exploring it the same way. But um, theoretically, if you, you know, worked in Florida or um, in South Carolina, mm-hmm. and you had some um, unemployment or other issues, you, you should be filing for unemployment. And, um, and it, it puts all these other um, considerations into the mix. So Very just good. a couple other things that came up in our discussions. And I don't know if you guys have had the similar um, discussions in, in your organizations. Gus, did you want to jump in on anything? Yeah, yeah. I uh, so again, we've we've learned a lot of things, and uh, a lot of what Kara mentioned uh, also came up, especially the out of state thing. I just touching on that for a second. Um, you know, early on, people weren't certain how long they would be working from home, uh, and in the early days, uh, you know, people would just you know uh, slap a desk together somewhere, especially if they were used to working in the office, they didn't have a work from home, you know, sort of corner or facility. And I remember, you know, uh, most people have a partner, they've got kids, right. There's a dog, cat, uh, squirrel maybe, but you know, the point is that, you know, there's other stuff going on in the house. And, uh, we were looking at one of our web designers who designs our, um, you know, our, uh, our portal. And uh, I was talking to him and uh, I'm looking at his background, right? Um, and I said, what's, you got a, sh-? I said, where are you? Because oh, I'm in the basement. And, you know, he's got this big bump on his, his head. I said, yeah, I kind of bumped my head on the stairs because it's an old, you know, it's kind of an older house and, um, you know, basement is not very, very uh, high. And I said, well, is there something we can do? He goes, no, I'm, I'm fine. He goes, I, you know, uh, even though it doesn't look 
uh, terrific. I actually got, you know, a corner of the basement, it's quiet, and I'm doing my work. And of course, um, you know, the wealth on his head, you know, kind of went away after a while. But <laughs> the point is that, you know, there's, you know, people didn't know early on whether they're going to be in that work from home environment uh, for three months, four months, four weeks. Uh, of course, it became a year for us, uh, and they're still working from home. Uh, but they got settled. Uh, and as they got settled, they realized that they also needed flexibility in their schedule, especially if they have kids. Um, and uh, we learned that, hey, it's a good thing to give them flexibility. Um, you know, we start by trusting our people because you have to. Otherwise, if you don't have people you can trust, then um, you need to address that. Uh, and then we realized that you can't do all these Zoom calls back to back to back mm -hmm. because that's right. kind of what was happening. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we Zoom now. You don't have to walk from meeting to meeting. You click from meeting to meeting. So technically, you could be more efficient, but, you know, you're burning people out. Um, and uh, we realized that you got to give people breaks. And I think David said something early on about executives, um, you know, leading by example and showing that, hey, Monday morning, it's OK. We're not going to have a heavy Zoom schedule. So we went and made that a policy as an example that uh, Monday morning, uh, collect your thoughts, plan your day and your week. Uh, and the same thing with Friday afternoons. So Friday afternoons are light on Zoom. Throughout sort of those two endpoints, um, we always, we've turned meetings instead of one hour into 25 minutes or 50 minutes. That allows people, and we did this with Outlook, um, it allows people to have that, you know, a little bit of free time that immediately drop down their burn, uh, you know, burn rate. So, you know, we start with a lot of trust, a lot of communications as people are remote because we need to all be sort of, um, you know, rowing in the same direction for our customers. But then we learned that you can you can you can zoom people to death, so to speak, or you know, burn them out, uh, and we eased up on this. Um, now, as we look forward and, and we look at, you know, this new facility, by the way, the old facility was like 11 years old. So the walls were sort of crumbling. You know, there were things, it was built in a very inefficient manner. Now, as we're looking at the new uh, facility and we're asking the question, what would meetings look like? Well, the answer is there'll be some people in an actual meeting room. And there'll be a couple of monitors with Zoom and there'll be a bunch of people remote, right? Um, you know, Zooming in. So what is that interaction like? Mm -hmm. uh, how do people relate with each other when they're in their meeting, physically adjacent, uh, proximity and adjacent to each other? And how do people relate when they are remote? Um, you know, are the remotes going to be as audible? Are we going to, can we read body language, right? Um, kind of hard to do in two dimensions mm -hmm. uh, or video. Mm -hmm. So right now, um, I, I like what Kara did, this focus group. Right now, we're doing a focus group for our managers and say, if you're going to hold meetings, you got to be sensitive to the fact that it's a whole different environment and you cannot, um, you have to facilitate the inclusion of people who are remote and not have the meeting be overwhelmed by those who are physically present uh, because that's going to create, you know, inequality and instability uh, and frustration. Uh, so that's something that, you know, we've learned as, as we're now thinking about what does the new world look like? Um, and again, ask me in three months, I'll tell you what, what else we've learned. David, anywhere you want to jump in? 
Well, I think the office setup is very uh, interesting. So we were very fortunate to where we were moving toward a new location from the corporate headquarters, uh, for the corporate headquarters. So we had the opportunity to really redesign. And luckily we designed this to be a shared uh, workspace. So mm-hmm. if I were to think about the technology that would deploy, it's very similar. I pretty much model WeWork where everything was a touchdown space. So it had to have the consistency. Um, you know, upon entering the building, it will be like a Hertz rental car where you know exactly where you're going to. There's a signage in every floor and you will go to those locations. So fortunately, we were lucky to have that setup that helped us. And I would say a lot of organizations are starting to think about how can they have shared locations. For example, in IT, we don't have um, offices. Um, they forced me to have one office. I was going to give it up, but they wanted me to just have an office. But Everyone else does not have an office, so there are shared. They just we just go to a shared office space or a conference room. Uh, it's a very different style of working. We're hoping that that also creates a lot more informal, collaborative discussions when people do come on site. But it is definitely a change versus traditional office where people have their personal space. They can shut a door and have discussions. Now they have to go to a, a designated space that they sign up for. Very good. All right. Let's uh, jump to another question. Let's talk about the technical aspects of working remotely. What do you think have been the keys for doing this successfully from a workflow and security standpoint? And do you see any changes to this dynamic in the next few years? Kara, why don't you start us off on that one? Yeah, so um, we were designed and we were set up so that you could work remotely fairly well. Um, and the way that we were able to extend it, um, we just kind of provided more of the same. So we didn't, so I feel like our security and our remote work strategy didn't necessarily differ. However, like we, so we do more of like a, um, you can get a full experience through VPN connection and you can get in through Citrix and kind of get a remote desktop. Um, and those two models generally work for majority of the teams. Um, From a security standpoint, yes, of course, you're always going to have the challenges, but we try to, um, we actually distribute devices and they're kind of running a lot of our security checks and we're not able at this point, we're not allowing um, devices that are not owned by the organization for the full VPN connection. It's a little bit of a, um, a strict, I guess, approach, but that's one way that we try to manage some of those um, experiences. The d- dynamic in the future years is a whole different one, right? And so I've had this conversation as recent as yesterday, um, not even from just internal perspective, but j- just how we kind of grow and scale some of these perspectives, even as we um, have a lot of community physician offices connecting with a more full experience, we've got to be thinking about that. Um, but then also trying to manage their endpoints, you know, to ensure that they're not a risk to our organization. So how do you provide the services without some of those other components? Um, but we do a lot of security checks. Um, and you know, one of the things that I would say that you, know, you could say we could move to the cloud and that the cloud and more cloud experience would help out, but there's a lot of other vulnerabilities with the cloud um, that we also have to be very mindful of as well. Um, and in terms of the security experiences, we're only as good as our weakest link, unfortunately, right? So you've got to be able to manage what's going on in the homes, um, how their passwords are being managed, what's on the desktops, are they printing, um, all the things that continue to you know, mount. Um, 
in the future, you know, I would hope that um, these things just continue to evolve and that we'll have more fluidity and, and be able to work at really any location, not necessarily geographic specific, because um, my hope is that we'd be able to hire talent um, across the country um, best suited for some of these roles rather than trying to vie for some of these um, coveted um, jobs that are really hard to find and people don't want to um, transfer geographically to another location. Right, right. Very good. David, your thoughts? Well, I think this um, really help accelerate some of the things I really want to execute on at every organization, which is moving towards a virtual desktop infrastructure environment. Um, that is, I would say, 80% of our organizations are using that remotely. We do have folks come in through VPN, but by having this single virtual environment that we can centrally manage and provide a consistent experience, it just makes that a lot easier and simpler. Um, I also do not want to manage devices. Um, I would rather manage just access to data from the virtual environment. So it's a different philosophy. I think that helps, that sort of helped us get to where we are. Uh, we do implement two-factor uh, thanks to Improvada. That is our solution as well. So for example, if I were to log in anywhere and I use pretty much my iPad or phone for everything, uh, I just log on to my virtual desktop, two-factor kicks in. I approve it and then I would get the environment. Does it look just like the desktop environment if I were in an office? Um, very similar, but you just have to get used to it. And I really want to take advantage of um, SaaS and cloud solutions as well. I just do not want to build any on-premise infrastructure that my team has to manage. So that's sort of the philosophy I'm trying to execute on, but I would say the virtual desktop is, is the first phase of driving that standard just from the ease of adoption I think it's simpler to support. And uh, my opinion is also more secure than having a man different environments. Gus? Yeah, I, uh, uh, a lot of good threads here. Um, I, and I, I agree with the uh, moving away from managing devices. Um, you know, the, the world of, uh, of the edge, um, the endpoint, the edge is becoming very, very fluid. And uh, just like right now, I think most of us own our own phones or have our own plan. In the past, there could have been corporate devices in many, many cases. Um, that's no longer um, kind of what's happening. These are now personal devices. And uh, what you have to monitor is, is the app, uh, the data, the use, uh, and, uh, and you know, to, to, to a large degree, uh, you need to focus on that. Um, but in our case, as a vendor, uh, we had a number of interesting, uh, when we uh, did our research uh, many years ago on this, we found that there's really a number of vectors that we have to understand. One, what is the corporate infrastructure? How do we keep it secure? How do we keep the bad guys away from it? Um, then we looked at the edge, uh, because even now, those are our own devices, laptops and stuff like that, where, where we have our own countermeasures. Uh, then you look at development, right? One of the nightmare scenarios um, for, for me uh, and our company um, uh, and beyond is, you know, someone doing a, you know, solar winds um, and, uh, you know, really, really hard to detect those things as we saw. Um, so it's, they're not impossible, they're improbable, which also means that, you know, it's what we got to be watching out for. Uh, but all of a sudden, now we're all working remote, which means we're also connecting to people's home networks and our home networks as well protected, well, you know, monitored as um, as are the corporate networks. Well, the answer to that is highly unlikely. Um, there's some exceptions, but highly unlikely. 
and a VPN is going to help, but you know there uh, there are also limits to that. So, uh, but I do have to, I do I do fundamentally agree that you got to monitor the apps, the data, and the behavior. And then here in some areas, good uh, advanced tooling, and maybe even some applicable, useful, uh, practical AI. Um, is, is what I'll say, practical AI um, that monitors behavior um, is going to, you know, uh, is going to be important. Um, I think the other part that we look at as well is how much of our systems are customer dependencies, um, right? This is beyond just our software. How do they get technical support? How do they, you know, reach us? How do we quickly do disaster recovery? So, you know, luckily for us, we have a terrific team and we've invested pretty heavily on them. So we've got just a very, very extensive layer um, and uh, we audit ourselves, we get audited pretty regularly. So it's just a lot of work. It's really what it comes down to. <laughs> just a lot of work. A lot of work, yep. All right, we're gonna have a little fun here. We're gonna launch our poll and uh, I want everyone, including our panelists can answer. So it's an agree or disagree. And the, the the statement is things will never go back to the expectation that 100% of IT employees will work in the office 100% of the time. I think some of you may have said, have said that was never the case. You had some people working from home. But um, anyway, go with my premise. If that's what it was, uh, we're never going to go back there. Uh, do you agree or disagree with that? So uh, feel free to jump in there and answer the poll. And we are going to go to some audience questions. That's what we're going to do. Um, so first question from our friend who we all know and love, Bill Spooner, a regular guest on, on attendee of our events. Uh, Carol, let's go with you. Are you requiring that workers coming on site be vaccinated? Not yet. Um, we are not. Um, and I, I don't know if that will be a forever thing. I wouldn't. Um, I think that once Moderna um, become and, and some of the vaccines go through, get out of emergency authorization and become um, you know FDA approved in the regular um, venues, then then it might be looked upon the same way that we look upon it with flu shots. Right. So we can mandate that certain people get flu shots in our organization. And I would think we're going to possibly mandate certain people get vaccinated. Otherwise, they're going to need to wear a mask. Um, but we haven't got to that point yet to have that discussion. OK, very good. I'm going to give you each one of these so we have saved some time here. All right. Let's read this one to you, David. Almost invariably, you and your teams discover opportunities for improvement by rounding, especially in patient care and ancillary areas of the institution. How are you achieving that discovery absent this routine on-site rounding? Do you believe your approach will be effective in the long term? So rounding to me does not mean you're, you're going to work on-site because you're not rounding eight hours a day. So rounding is part of our team's behavior, and that's what I'm promoting. I want them to round the facilities, whether it's weekly basis, every two weeks for 30 minutes. So we are actually rounding. Our executive team do round. Uh, so I would say to answer that question, uh, we will definitely continue round, rounding. I do promote rounding, and I really want our team to focus more on rounding than coming in office. There's more value in that than being physically inside an office location. 
All right, very good. Carol, let's let's put this is a statement we'll run by you. My organization is saying no one will have a dedicated space anymore, even if you decide to be in the office full time. Mm-hmm. Every space will be reservable. That's not what you're doing, correct, Kara? If that is not what I'm to, doing. If you agree mm-hmm. to come in at least, I think you said four days a week, you got your spot. So yes. this is being done differently elsewhere. What do you think about that? I think that's a little extreme. <laughs> um, you know, you know, there, there's... Part of what I was trying to do with the, I actually moved it from three to four days when we first started. I was saying everyone who was um, going to come in more than three days, and I would have I would have had more people, but I wanted to really get give some space back and really kind of force the change, and that's why I made it four, and it fit well with our remote work policy. Um, and the conversations I had with a lot of people, they were there was an emotional attachment where they felt like, oh, I'm going to be giving up my office or I'm giving up my file cabinet. Um, and then once they realized that you had to make the trade off of coming in all the time, they were OK with it. Um, but I don't think you need to destabilize people that much. <laughs> if you're will, if you're really in a place and, you know, a lot of people just don't have the convenience to set up shop the way they want to at home. Um, and there's other things, which, you know, is another interesting um, way of looked at it, too. Some people just really need to come into the office to be successful. They feel that's that true. It's I've even heard people I know personally admit that to me to mm-hmm. say they're they're too distracted at home. They yeah. need to get back because they're not able to be as productive as they want to be. Yeah. Um, so some people just don't they're just not wired that way. They just need to yeah. go away and be separated. Gus, um, next, I want to run this one by you. I, you you mentioned the, the wonderful story of the gentleman who bumped his head. How how are you dr- addressing ergonomic requirements of the home workspace? Have you experienced any uptick of workers' compensation claims? And he gives the example of carpal tunnel. I guess maybe if they're not set up yeah. right now. I want to yeah. expand a little bit on this question. Um, you know, you talked about the guy in the basement. God bless him. And we're all in different environments. We used to find maybe we still do the the cat running in the background cute. I think I wonder if at some point that's not as cute as it was. Um, I wonder if from a organization like yours where you're dealing with customers uh, and you expect a certain level of professionalism from your employees, if you've seen setups that you do not think are quite acceptable for a customer interaction and you know, maybe we need to upgrade your environment where you are. Maybe that's not quite, maybe good enough for you, but I'm not sure it's reflecting well on Improvata. There's a lot of gray here. We can't pretend yeah. it's all simple and lovely. There's there's a lot of gray. And uh, it, it, I'll tell you a, kind of a funny thing that we tried. After about two months working from home, we opened up the office um, in, in, a, in, a, in a structured way. And we said, look, if you want your chair, uh, you can come and get it. Uh, so this is this is now like April, Mayish, you know, this time last year. And people said, "No, nah, you know, I'm okay. I, I'm all right. I'm not sure. You know, I want to take my chair from my office. We'll be back there in no time." Again, this was last year. And uh, now these are good chairs. These are like these, you know, sort of good office chairs with good support. They're actually, you know, Herman Miller these Aerons, and uh, you know, they're they're just pretty darn comfortable. Um, and uh, most most people said no. Some would jumped ahead. We made that same offer a month later when we had declared that the office was going to stay closed. I think we had 70% of our staff come and get their chair. Um, so, you know, we offered chairs, we offered, uh, you know, monitors, we offered keyboards and technology. 
not just for productivity, but also for safety, right? We'll give people a new router. Hey, let me upgrade your $50 router to something that's got some better security on it. Uh, yes, you still run VPN through it. So, you know, we, we just found that um, those are important things to do. And uh, um, we have not gotten, you know, uh, not to the best of my knowledge. And I probably wouldn't know specifically, right. but carpet tunnel, you know, sort of issues. Um, but, you know, I think it's important to make sure you support people working from home. I think the collaboration point that was just made on, on the prior, uh, you know, on the prior question is really important. I, I think a lot of us may be under recognizing the value of peer to peer communication, collaboration, brainstorming, whiteboarding. You know, these are things where, you know, no one's got the perfect idea, but you put three, four people that have got some energy and passion and they all piece together, right? They can't do it individually. Uh, you know, but they all work together and they iterate on an idea, a solution for a customer or something. And it's just brilliant. Uh, and, and that would not have happened uh, in a dark room, in isolation, working from home. Um, you know, I, so, so personally, uh, those, are the, those are the collaboration areas and, and uh, you know, types of events and meetings that I find incredibly useful. And in fact, we just did one. We call it a hackathon. Um, so I, I just think that collaboration is uh, often overlooked, but in our case, important and core to our culture. Yeah, and I would I would agree with you. I think there are meetings when you need five, six, seven people to be really interacting, really interacting. You cannot recreate that in a Zoom environment. You just can't do it. You will right. never. So you could have yeah. an, an issue, meaning the reason for the meeting is so important and the outcome must be productive. We must achieve something in this room in this next hour, a crisis type thing, crisis resolution, where you will never have the same. You can't replicate that unless you get those human That's beings right. in that room. Kara? That's right. Well, I think the other thing that we haven't really touched on, but I think is super important and also shouldn't be um, missed is relationships and creating relationships and building relationships. And, you know, one of the things that I talked about is how I do come in every day and, and the senior vice presidents do for the most part, or there's a casual day um, that they might work from home. But we have a new CEO. We have an um, entirely you know different culture. We're in the midst of... Um, building a culture, but he's the type of person that drops into your office and says something. And you have these sidebar conversations. And I walk in the CFO's office and we'll sit down and just have a chat about something. And I'll walk in the VP of HRs and I'll have a conversation. Those conversations are really what builds the relationship that you can't, it, it's not calling them on the phone. It's just these, these hallway conversations that are happening. And again, it's the culture that I'm in. And I realized that if I wasn't there, I would feel like I wasn't invited to a party. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like you feel like the FOMO. You know, I think that's also really important when you look at some people who are coming in and the others who aren't, it, it isn't going to be fair and equitable. No. There are going to no. be times that there's trade-offs. They're working from home and they might be missing some of it depending on the culture of the organization. Um, and I, and I think that's something that we have to, people have to realize too, when they make that decision. I think you're 100% right. And, and to tell yourself that you're going to be uh, remote 100% of the time or in one day a week and to think you are going to 
have the same level of engagement with management and be thought of the same, it's just not going to happen. Right. David? All right, Grant, I think the relationship see... is key. Go ahead, Gus. Yeah, I'm sorry, David. Yeah, we can actually see the level of engagement by the type of interaction that an employee is uh, is presenting. You know, if they're not active, they're not visible, if they're not present, we automatically think we haven't engaged this person properly. Mm -hmm. We haven't connected this person properly into their team, into the grander team, and the in the objective of the of the company, our customers. So, you know, we start to think, okay, that's a problem. Uh, and uh, uh, because it is our job to connect the, the employee. And, and, and there is kind of the other half of the equation for the employee to want to be connected uh, or understand what it is that we're delivering, that we're servicing. If they can't connect themselves to that, then it's just a job. Um, and, you know, right now, especially in technology, where you can work from anywhere for anybody anywhere, there's just so much fluidity in the, in the employee uh, employment. I mean, this is now an employee's market in the mm -hmm. tech space. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and we see that. And, and how do we commit people's cognitive focus to our customers? They need to believe in what we're doing and they need to have passion for it. And it's hard to do that over video. I, yeah. you know, it really is hard to do it this way. Um, you you got to be able to do it person to person and not just with a company, person to person with a customer so that the employee can feel what the customer is looking for. I want to make one final point, get quick reactions, and then we're going to have to go. Um, I, I was just thinking as we were discussing this about, you know, I think Karen mentioned people going to the gym, right? I mean, people getting their own time, people getting flexibility. Um, I think it's important that people understand that having that being remote and having that flexibility to attend your child's game or go to the gym means you have to be available when you're needed, which may not be exactly in your preferred working time. So it's a trade-off. It goes both ways. And an employee who doesn't understand that there's going to be an issue there. Um, I'll, I'll just hear quickly from each of you. Kara, why don't you go first? Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of it. It's give and take. Um, and, and that speaks to a little bit of the maturity of the employee if they don't get that um, and maybe if they're the right fit for the organization. Um, but yes, it's definitely give and take, especially the more you get involved in management of in an organization. Um, it's a, in IT, it's 24 by 7. You never know when you're going to get called. David, you don't want to hear from someone who's remote that they, they're available when you want to have a meeting. I mean, that's, you know, it's not something that work. No, I would say it goes back to what Gus said. Um, I hope people, the professionals that's working, whether it's in fours, are, you know, they view this more than a job, right? It's, I view this as my lifestyle. You know, I work because I really enjoy what I do. It's not a job. So I could be working out at nine, nine o'clock in the morning because I really want to get that work at it. But guess what? 9 p.m., I maybe do something right. that's work related. But I right. just don't view it as, this is my job. I view that this is what I do for, for my, my lifestyle and I really enjoy it. So therefore I don't view it as time bound. Yeah, Gus, I'll give you the final word. Um, I, I, I believe I would imagine you have what you consider to be reasonable, but high standards of the performance of your employees. You are willing to give and you are willing to offer flexibility. That's what they want. You want to make them happy. Happy employees are productive employees, but certain standards have to be met 
at all times. Again, that give and take that Kara alluded to. What are your thoughts? I, I think Kara is exactly right. It's a shared responsibility. It's not a one-way responsibility. The job is not a one-sided. There is a commitment. Both parties commit. Uh, and it doesn't have to be contractual, of course, that's not where, where it's all about. But if the expectations are clearly laid out, then the employee can deliver them however he or she you know, can deliver them. We actually found the inverse, not people working less and taking more time for their family. Frankly, I want them to take time for the family. Yeah, we, right. we, you know, if they can't, re, you know, if they can't take care of their families, they're not going to be able to work. So our, our view is that take care of yourself because that's how you can take care of your family. And when you've done those two things, then we've got a job. <laughs> let's, let's do our job to take care of our customers. Mm-hmm. And what we found is that employees are working way into the evening. I mean, they're working yeah. at like 10, 11, 12 o'clock. And we said, well, I do, you, you, you know, you need some cool down time. You need some relaxation time. And uh, I, I, I'd like to say that that's the problem that, in fact, we were dealing with, getting people to understand that they can't burn themselves out. Uh, and I and think that, that, that's my I concern. Th- I think you're 100 percent right. I do think that is the more prevalent problem. Uh, I think you will have some on the other side, but I think especially with your good people, your best people, that's the problem. Yeah. And you mentioned putting in making the meetings shorter. Uh, putting in blocks of time, addressing it when you see someone's online late at night. So I do agree with you there that I think that is is a big issue. Um, that's about all we had time for today. Uh, regarding continuing education, you could use the final slide in this deck. You'll get an email when the on-demand version of this event is ready for viewing. If you want to sponsor an event with us, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team, and you can go to our website to view our upcoming schedule. With that, I want to thank this tremendous panel. I think this, I feel like uh, Bill Spooner was on the panel uh, with his questions coming in, but we appreciate always Bill's participation. Uh, David Chow, Karababa Chicos, Gus Malezis. I want to thank Improvada for uh, sponsoring this event today and making it possible and our attendees for coming. And with that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.